Master Dooku. I want to bring peace and order to the galaxy. Master, stop! It is the only way you will truly have victory. My Padawan. Your cult. Fractured our people. Where were you then? Did you think your dad was the only Mandalorian? Cassian Ander. Don't matter what you tell me or tell yourself. You'll ultimately die fighting these bastards. Wouldn't you rather give it all at once to something real? Welcome everyone from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone. So pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This is episode number 483, Andor, Jedi, and Mando. Oh my! Or, oh my, as Prepio would say. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Din Djarin to my Grogu, we've got Carl LeClaire. Hang on, kid. You want to go on an adventure? <laughs> Jason, so much stuff dropped this weekend. So much stuff. Oh, it's so good. I'm so excited. We're about to just get like the floodgates open, the dam breaking on Star Wars, uh, you know, television content right now. Uh, it's s- going to start in a couple weeks with Andor and it's not going to stop. <laughs> yeah, and because Andor is also a twelve-episode season, so it's gonna it's gonna take us to almost the end of the year, right? Right, and then we're gonna have Mando, and then next year we're also gonna have Ahsoka. Oh, don't forget, Bad Batch season two is gonna be in there somewhere, right? And yeah, uh, it's it's a lot of lot of good stuff <laughs> that's about to hit us, and I'm super excited. I can't wait. Um, I, I was out of town this weekend doing like an obstacle course race with some friends. And I just really wasn't paying attention to anything on social media because I was just busy being social with friends and like getting ready for this this race. And uh, then like, uh, you know, my buddy Greg just starts blowing up the group text with all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm out of it for a little while. And everybody gets delusions of Disney Plus. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Disney Plus had their Disney Plus day, which I guess is a thing now. Um, they just decided to have, here's our Disney Plus day. So that's a, a thing for you now. So we're, I guess we're going to look for it every year. Um, yeah, I mean. I think it coincided with D23. I think that's why it they had yep. it. Okay. Exactly. So, I mean, and obviously if you're a Marvel fan, there was obviously tons released for that as well. I just, I honestly, I can't keep up, Jason. I just focused on Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, that's all you can do at this point. Yeah. You know, it's. It's literally a fire hose. We'll get back to it all later at some point, I'm sure. But at this yep. point, we have our priority, which is Star Wars. And, and right. boy, howdy. We got three trailers to talk about today, Carl. Yes. Yes. And, you know, um, I'm I'm so excited for all of these for very different reasons. Yes. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, it's we still don't have an official release date for season three of Mandalorian. We know it's not until next year. Um, I know I feel like speculation is February. I think we did just get it late. I think it just dropped that season two of bad batch releases in January. Um, So it would make sense that Mando might be late February. And I feel uh, my guess is that Ahsoka will be like in May or something. Um, yeah, but Ahsoka will probably be May or like a late summer kind of thing. Right. Um, but we know at least this year, I mean, we are just actually a, essentially upon the release of this episode, a week away from the premiere of Andor. Um, yeah. And then the following week or not the following week, but then just a month after that, we get Tales of the Jedi, which Ugh. is the first thing we're going to talk about, Jason. Um, yes. 
because you and I both, when we saw this announcement, I think it was made the announcement was made at Celebration, um, yes. and they were they shared shared images and stuff. I don't believe there was any sort of trailer. I wasn't there, so maybe there was, and we just didn't know about it as the general public. That, I believe they showed a trailer of some sort, but it was an exclusive trailer for the convention. They did not God. release anything. Okay. Um. Well, the trailer we got this past weekend was incredible. Um. As a Dooku guy, Jason, what's this like? Like getting to see Count Dooku. Although I'm trying to remember in the trailer, do they refer to him as Count Dooku? Uh, they just refer to him as Dooku. Um, That's what I thought. The, he, yeah. he he assumes his title as Count once he leaves the Order, right? Um, but he obviously seems to have some sort of connection because if you'll notice in his Jedi robes, he wears the cloak that still has the clasp that he wore in his cape in the movies Um, in his, you know, or at least something similar to it. So I I feel like he's kind of the implication that we got from also the, um, the audio uh, story about Dooku uh, Jedi lost Lost, um, is that he always kind of had a connection outside the order to his family, especially through his sister. Right. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that we have that. Uh, but yeah, I am really excited about this because this is going to give us a lot of uh, look at. And, and of course, for those of you who don't know, uh, this is a six episode series of shorts. Uh, and from what what we're gathering, what I'm gathering anyways, is that we're going to have three about Ahsoka and three about Duke. Uh, because it's it's two different characters that they're focusing on here. Um, there's some really cool stuff in the Ahsoka stuff, but Dooku is what I'm super excited for because obviously he's one of my favorite characters, um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him get fleshed out and really kind of get to see why he left, um, and and how he he processes that. And I'm hoping. I'm hoping they don't make him uh, – the the one fear I have is that I hope they don't make him as someone who is always like very cold and very um, just sort of like de- detached in a way mm-hmm. uh, because then that makes him being a villain a lot more e- – a lot easier because I always looked at him as a complex villain because he's always – I always felt he – felt he was doing the right thing, at least initially when he switched sides, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm hoping we get that complexity to him in this. Uh, I have no reason to suspect that they won't do that, but uh, you know, I'm just going to have to wait and see, obviously, but that's, that's what I'm really looking forward to. And this is, is Dooku yeah, stuff. I, I mean, I, I knew you would be, and I am as well. And, you know, we've gotten a bit of, pre pre leaving order Dooku stories in the new canon, right? I mean, like you referenced already, there's the incredible radio drama essentially that Kevin, Kevin Scott wrote called Jedi lost, which is an exploration of Dooku's time as a young Padawan. Um, it explores his friendship with Sifo Dyas. Um, it explains a lot of that stuff. Uh, we also get some of him in master and apprentice, the novel by Claudia Gray, Right where we mm-hmm. get some flashbacks of Qui Gon as his apprentice, and to the point you're making, Jason, it seems like in some of these canon stories, specifically in some of the flashbacks from Master and Apprentice, from what I remember, it's been a, it's been a minute since I've read it, um, but he there actually is a, I feel like cold might be too harsh a word, but there is a, uh, you a know detachment, what, I, yeah, yeah, there is almost a coldness to him. I do feel like, mm-hmm. I mean. That's yeah. just that's just kind of accurate. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and I guess what I'm what I'm meaning is I, I don't want him to be. I want the complexity to remain. Mm-hmm. Is what I want. That it, it, I don't want it to be just like oh, you could have seen this, you know, a mile away from way back in the day. You know that he would have turned. That yeah. you know I I, I don't want that. Yeah, uh, I think is is what I'm I'm looking for. Is I want it to be complex. I want it to be, uh, you know one of these death by a thousand cuts kind of things. Yeah. Um, and not just like a, well, we saw this coming, mm-hmm. you know, 
Sure. Because nobody did. The, the Jedi didn't. Because even in Attack of the Clones, you know, he's a political idealist, not a murderer. You know, mm. the the Council didn't believe he was a Sith. They still re- respected him as a former Jedi. So, yeah, yeah. But, um, well, and, and, and even in the trailer that we have, um, I, I love that voiceover where he says, you know, I've been trying to warn them of the coming darkness. Um, mm-hmm. Right. That he is. And, and again, I, I feel like a lot of that context. So just a quick aside, if you are a big Dooku fan, um, some things you might want to explore before October with Tales of the Jedi that you might enjoy is, of course, first and foremost, you got to check out Jedi Lost. And it's also in a script form now. I actually plan to reread. I plan on reading it before the because I can read faster than I can listen. Um, so I plan on, <laughs> I plan on revisiting that at the start of October. Um, but two other really good stories about Dooku in the Legends canon is actually the Labyrinth of Evil novel, which is an immediate prequel to Revenge of the Sith. And then there's a great Clone Wars novel called Dark Rendezvous, which is a story of yes. Yoda and Dooku. Um, and it's it, it also explores a bit more of who Dooku was. So that's just a quick aside. I've been reading a lot of Star Wars in the last two years, so I just want to share the wealth of what I've been gleaning. Um, but anyway, back to the trailer itself, right? Dooku points out that there is this coming darkness, and that seems to have been clearly implied in in <clears throat> Jedi Jedi Lost. Um, Sifo-Dyas is a visionary, right? He he ultimately is plagued by these visions of the future, and Dooku is his closest friend, so he's obviously shared all that with Dooku, and Dooku believes him. He trusts in that, um, <clears throat> and it seems like at this point in the story, we have a Dooku who is, and I, I think there's something very true about Dooku is he's very arrogant. I think that's true yes. probably of even pre-Sith days, right? There's an arrogance to Absolutely. him that he thinks he knows better than everybody. Um, uh, we we see that in in uh, Dooku Jedi Lost as yeah. well. You know, He always thinks he knows what's right, what the right thing to do is. Um, even if he's proved, you know, even if he's challenged in that, or, or maybe circumstances might prove him a little bit wrong, uh, he still doesn't like to admit it. He, he is yeah. an arrogant person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think that's also why he and Qui-Gon, in an interesting way, make uh, a good matchup. Or maybe that's more of that arrogance that Dooku per, kind of personifies clearly has an impact on how Qui-Gon then grows up to be a Jedi in his own right, who's comfortable being wary of the council. Now he doesn't necessarily seem to have the arrogance of Dooku where he just is flipping about them, but he clearly, because Dooku was his master, I'm sure that's in part why he has, I will do what I must. You know, he doesn't Mm -hmm. really care what they think of him. He cares about the will of the force. Um, And that seems Mm -hmm. to be like, again, we're obviously reading a lot into one line of dialogue here from a trailer, but that does seem to be what Dooku's (laughs) after too. I mean, to your point, right, Jason, if we're going to make Dooku a complex character, then he has to start by really striving to do something good. Um, so right. I think that maybe these shorts will explore that, but also explore that somewhat akin to Anakin in Clone Wars, he goes too far sometimes, right? I mean, there, that great shot mm-hmm. of, of Qui-Gon also props to the fact that it's Liam Neeson's son voicing young Qui-Gon, which is just so cool. Um, yes. But, you know, the way Dooku just tosses him aside is he clearly goes beyond the bounds of a Jedi. Even, you know, the, sh- the scene of him and Mace fighting, you know, Dooku, stand down, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, Dooku has it in his mind what is what is right and what he's supposed to do, and he'll go against the moral code, I guess, of the Jedi. So it'll be neat mm-hmm. to see that explored and to see it explored as to why he goes there. Um, so yeah. I'm excited for that story, too. Absolutely. And, and just sort of a, a slight aside to, to all of this, um, you know, Maul, Dooku, and Grievous, um, I remember George Lucas saying, we're all supposed to be sort of sneak peeks mm. um, at aspects of who Darth Vader becomes. You know, someone full of fury, a Jedi who turned, someone who's more machine than man. You know, that... All of that is is kind of built into the storytelling to kind of preview Anakin's fall at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And obviously we're going to see some of that, I, th- I think, in 
in this series. And I'm very excited about that. I'm very excited to see that. But again, I do want to make sure it still lives up to the complexity of the character mm-hmm. that, uh, that we have out there. So that's the only thing I'm concerned about. Yeah. I don't think I really need to be that concerned about it, but it is that one little thing in the back of my brain that since he is such a, an important character to me, I'm like, don't ask this up, please. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, and it's so cool to see him dueling with Yaddle. Uh, that is, I, so my, qu- I, here's my question. Are they practicing hmm. or is he attacking him? Cause Yaddle's not around in attack of the clones. I mean, at least on the council. And why would, I don't, I actually don't know this Jason and you might, or maybe one of you listeners do if we don't, when you're voted onto the council, the high council, is that for life? Like I just assumed, no. well, Oh, it's not. Okay. The, um, at least in legends, I'm not sure if they've, fully defined it in uh in the new canon yet but at least in legends they had um a couple of them that were long-term appointments and then others that were short-term appointments okay so um and i you know i I don't know what those term you know how long those terms were but uh that was the idea at least initially however I have done some frame by frame peeking okay. at those moments. Yeah. And Yaddle, there's a shot of Yaddle in the trailer. Uh, let me get the timestamp here. Where is it? Uh, I'm sorry. Had it and then I didn't. Been there. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's near the end where we're getting the dual uh, stuff. But there is a shot where it's just her and behind her is the opening. Okay, it's at 124-ish. Um it's the opening of the that industrial site where Dooku meets with Sidious at the end of oh. Attack of the Clones. Oh snap. I think I think this is him. Does he kill Yaddle? with I think so. I think he might I think too. he does. Yeah. I think he does. Um I think this is this is Dooku turning. Uh this is when he decides to ally himself with Palpatine. And Yaddle's the only one who picks up on it and she tries to stop him and he can't let that happen. So, that's, I think that's what this is. That is my uh, this, my guess. Yeah. Well and that's when I first watched it and I'd heard obviously the, the, the rumblings out of celebration where people were like, Oh my gosh, we get to see Yaddle. Um, and then, you know, watching this at first, I was just like, Oh cool. They're obviously practicing their dueling. I did not notice that background, Jason. I mean, I definitely check that out as soon as we're done. Um, but that, yeah. But then as I was watching again, a couple more times this afternoon to prep for tonight, I was like, wait a minute. There's something about the energy here that doesn't seem like they're practicing. Um, and again, just like Yaddle's not around in attack of the clones. Um, now again, like, so to your point, right? Like Yaddle may not have been a lifelong member or, I mean, we even learned this in high Republic because Yoda's on the council, but is off with younglings. So there's a kind of like an interim, (laughs) um, yeah. Like council member. He takes a sabbatical. Yeah. You know, so maybe Yaddle was just filling in in Phantom Menace. Um, but all Mm -hmm. the same, Yaddle's not around and it's, I mean, I, yeah, I because I always suspected that Dooku's right because it's always been kind of established that for a Sith to fully enter, they must kill someone. Right. Um, that's mm-hmm. been more established in Legends canon and not necessarily as strictly held up by new canon. But all that to say, like, I always assumed Dooku killed Sifo-Dyas. Um And then in the Clone Wars, we realized that he he doesn't directly do it, but he does order it. Um, mm-hmm. And. You know, and after, you know, listening to Jedi Lost, it's like, oh, wow, that that was clearly a sacrifice for him to, like, order the death of his good friend. But, yeah, how how much more poignant would it be if this is kind of his his initial entrance into the Sith Order is shutting up Yaddle? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's that's awful, but it would make sense. And it it proves his his abilities, uh, you know, obviously because he he's good enough to defeat a council member, uh, 
but yeah. we already knew he was he could have been on the council if he wasn't so such a maverick <laughs> shall we say right um right but, but yeah no it's uh it's gonna be very interesting i will say i i don't want to just take up all of our time on on yes tales of the jedi uh with dooku but um i, I will say the Ahsoka stuff looks really cool as well. I don't want to overshadow well, any of that. I have, yeah, I have some thoughts about the first thing that grabbed me, and I didn't notice this in my first watch through of the little trailer, but I was, I, I don't know how I didn't notice, but I, when I turned it on this morning, I was like, wait a minute, and maybe it's because I've been watching it on my phone as opposed to my big TV. I was like, wait, this is opening with Padme's funeral? How interesting. She's at the funeral. She's at the funeral. Like, oh my goodness. That like blew me away. Um, so because yeah, as it shakes out, right? Like Ahsoka, I th- she assumes Anakin is dead, right? At the start of the purge, um, I think so. I know in the E.K. Johnston yeah. novel, she she yeah. believes he's dead, right? And that's why it is yes. such a shock in Rebels when she senses that he's alive and is now right. something else. Um, but yeah, like. I just find it fascinating that they chose to show her there Um, because for Ahsoka, I mean, it just just really putting the nail in the coffin of everyone she loved and knew in the Clone War is now gone. Um, That just really took me by surprise. And and to, you know, also to be fair to, to her, there's not going to be a funeral for Anakin. Right. You know. Because the Jedi are traitors. They're, they're yeah. going to be swept under the rug. Nobody is going to be respected or, 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 you know, represented in any sort of way as a funeral in that regard. So it, if she's going to be able to go uh, and pay her respects, she's going to go to Padme's funeral and use that as a way to pay respects to both Padme and Anakin, I think. Yeah. So that would make sense to me. And then what it looks like, you know, obviously um, – we see Ahsoka at, at different stages in, in this trailer. Yeah. Uh, we see her very young. Looks like we're going to get the story of how she was discovered, uh, which means Plo Koon's going to be back. Yep. Um, and then there's, it looks like we're going to get that story of how Anakin trained her to use the two lightsabers. Um, in order to keep her safe during the Clone Wars, which and a quick, looks cool. Yeah, well, a quick but thought. But also intense. And that, in that moment when, yeah, like she falls and you hear him say, again, like so sternly. You know what that yeah. reminded me of? Du- what? Dooku training Savage. You know, like there's ah. such a dark intensity to it. Um, I mean, definitely different intentions. You know, Dooku's trying to piss Savage off so he can draw more on his hatred and the dark side. But there is a there's a harshness to Anakin, you know, and, and the voiceover right before that is, is the only way, you know, I can protect you is to teach you to protect yourself. So, mm-hmm. you know, Anakin's heart is in the right place, but his tactics are harsh, to say the least. Right. Right. Um, and then we get her, you know, after after the Clone Wars. Yeah. So. Uh, and. I think it looks like we're going to get her up against an inquisitor of some sort, mm-hmm. uh, which won't be the first, you know, is isn't the first time we've seen Ahsoka fight inquisitors, but this will probably be the first chronological instance she has was with one. But um, yeah, so I'm very curious to see how that all shakes down. Um, I think uh, Tales of the Jedi is going to be really, really fun. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to it. And I think they picked two great characters to sort of kind of balance it out um, and, and to give us some really good insights into. So I'm very excited about it. Absolutely. And, you know, to the point you made earlier, um, I'm excited to see what it looks like for a youngling to be brought to the temple. Right. I mean, Ahsoka yeah. in that shot, you know, it, it, Jedi, Ahsoka is Jedi. Right. Uh, it seems like... Th- the the way I kind of gather is is when a sentient being understands that they have a child that's force sensitive, it's they kind of reach out to the Jedi. I mean, we also know that the Jedi are also seeking out force sensitives as well, so maybe it's kind of a both and. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm just really looking looking forward to seeing what that looks like for a family to give up a Jedi um, to give up a child because she's, I mean. 
I'm guessing the age of a Torguda on a cartoon, but like she's clearly <laughs> not like a newborn, but you know, young enough that she's probably not going to remember, but mm-hmm. old enough that it's a real sacrifice probably for the family. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. She looks to be about two, maybe three, uh, a young, uh, you know, a small three, you know, mm-hmm. um, if if it if that old, but yeah, I'd say maybe about two is my guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I'm very curious to see how that all goes down. Uh, see her family, which is something we we've never gotten a peek at before, so that'll be cool. Um, but yeah, I'm very curious to see how this all shakes out and uh, see. I'm honestly partly curious to see how they they put the episodes out if they alternate like characters or if they do blocks of, you know, uh, here's all the Ahsoka ones. Here's all the Dooku ones. Um, and this is a short enough series. We'll probably get it all at once. I think. Yeah. Um, but I'm just curious to see how they, they lay it out, you know, on Disney plus for us to watch, you know, if it's alternating or if it's all one character than the other. I think yeah. that would be an interesting way yeah, I mean, to well, see how they, they tell the story. Right. So, yeah. And, and you know, the, the inquisitor aspect that kind of surprised me because the mask, I don't know, just mm-hmm. reminds me almost like of Darth Revan from, I think old Republic yeah. or something. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, and Ahsoka looks to be the age between clearly rebels and clone wars. So, yeah, mm-hmm. just interesting that they're they're going to tell another Inquisitor story. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I've I saw somebody speculating. I don't remember who, um, but maybe this is a recreation of right because we see her encounter an Inquisitor in the Ahsoka novel, who she mm. obviously kills and then purifies his kybers to make her own blades. So maybe this will be just kind of a retelling of that kind of similar. I mean, in that novel as well, we have Ahsoka face off against Maul and then we get a more fleshed out version of that in the Clone Wars finale. Um, right. So who knows? We'll, we'll find out soon enough. Yeah. Yeah. That That's a good point, though. But um, I think that would be an interesting thing to to look into. See, yeah. it would make sense. It would it would make sense for a story to, right. to see that. Um but yeah, yeah, we'll see in well, and five weeks. <laughs> it, I guess what's interesting, too, is the fact that, like you said, Jason, I'm also super excited that they're doing these two characters. And I also hope if Tales of the Jedi is well received and it's well done, that maybe we'll get more of them. Um, that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah, think like definitely two interesting characters to pick. And yet I think what kind of links them in an interesting way is that these are probably two characters who are contending with the loss of their previous worlds. Right. In a sense, like Ahsoka is no longer a Jedi and neither is Dooku. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, very different paths, very different journeys, but both are characters that are no longer Jedi. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we need to see if there's some commonality in, in those story threads or not. Yeah. Sort yeah. of a contrast of paths, I think, is yeah what we're going to get here. So, yeah, very cool. But uh, I think we've talked about Tales of the Jedi enough. Um, yep, we've got two more trailers still to talk about. <laughs> I know, <Carl. laughs> I know it. Uh, well, let's 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 dive into the the Mandalorian trailer. Um, my goodness, it was so cool to see this because yes, obviously, again, this was some exclusive content that was shared at Celebration, and I saw like a really crummy cam version of it on YouTube, like the week of celebration, but it was really hard to see anything. And I don't know if this is the exact same trailer or not. Um, but I'm sure some of it is from that, but I'm sure this is, there's more in this than, than was in that. Um, yeah. What, what kind of stands out to me from this trailer is again, just kind of, um, Reminding us that this is the story of Din Djarin, um, right? We get that voiceover that 
he's a clan of two. Um, obviously, he and Grogu are back together, as we saw in the finale of, of Book of Boba Fett. Um, but the the kind of flashback voiceover stop with, you know, the armorer saying, you know, you've removed your helmet. You're no longer a Mandalorian. And um, he, it seems like he might be on that quest to rejoin that clan, to rejoin his tribe. Um, and that's that's kind of the the general sensibility I get from this trailer is that once again, this is his journey. Um, and I think that that's kind of mm-hmm. neat because it's, it's something new. Um, season one is really an introduction to his character and him choosing Grogu. Season two mm-hmm. is him ultimately just on a quest to find Grogu's belonging. But it seems like season three is really his quest to figure out what it means for him to be a Mandalorian. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, season one is, is sort of introduction to the character, introduction to the whole setting and everything, uh, just establishing who these people are. Um, season two is definitely uh, Grogu centric. Uh, it's it's about Grogu, you know, it's and him figuring all of that out. And this is going to be Grogu seems to be along for the ride, um, but it's definitely about the Mando and him figuring out what, what his place in the galaxy is now. Cause it doesn't seem like he's going to be really doing a lot, a lot of the bounty hunting, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that he used to do now that he has a kid. Um, and so he's got to figure that, you know, all of that out. Plus this Mandalorian stuff. And it looks like, obviously we're going to get, uh, Mandalorian action uh, as they try to take back uh, Mandalore with uh, Bo-Katan and all of that. And it's going to be very interesting because obviously in season two, when we first meet Bo-Katan and her uh, her Mandos, they take their helmets off almost immediately and that just throws Din for a loop. Um, And now we're at the point where he's been uh, you know, ostracized from his clan and he might be seeking them out to say, all right, so what is this about? And it seems like Bo is not too happy with his clan. Uh, She says your clan fractured us Mm -hmm. essentially, you know, so his clan appears to be sort of, I, I don't know, uh, a, a hardliner, um, an outlier, a very extreme version of of Mandalorian culture, something like that. Who know? I don't know. And, and it's not something that obviously he was really a part of because he was kind of just always on the run, mm-hmm. you know, with the clan. Yeah. Um, so it's it's going to be a whole bunch of information that he's going to be learning for the first time, I think, and going to have to figure out what he wants to do with that and if if he thinks he can still call himself a Mandalorian by the end of it. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I actually rewatched the episode from Book of Boba Fett where he gets kicked out of the clan today. Mm-hmm. And what I found uh, quite poignant is – or not Bo-Katan, um, the armorer points out that the only reason their sect, that's the language she uses, their sect survived mm-hmm. is because they were, you know, isolated on the moon of Concordia. Now, mm-hmm. right, for all of us who remember the the when we get the full flushed out flashback of how he's rescued by Mandalorians in the first season, they clearly have the Death Watch pendant on their, on yeah. their, um, on their armor. And... I am almost, you know, but then we learn in season two that they're known as the children of the watch. They don't call her like they don't. She doesn't say your death watch. And we also know death watch take their helmets off. We've seen it. Um, mm-hmm. So it, I, I mean, I I'm sure this will continue to get fleshed out. But I feel like the children of the watch are an extremist group that broke off of death watch. Like, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking is that they they were originally death watch. You know, he's rescued by death watch. And then. There's like they're even more hardliners that break away. And it could be the fact. And again, I don't know. um, But 
from the the everything we learned about Death Watch in Clone Wars, it just seems. And again, again, this is never explicitly said, but it would seem that those members of Death Watch are all Mandalorian by birth. Again, one of my favorite things mm-hmm. that we learned in season one is that you know Mandalorian isn't a race; it's a creed. Right, so maybe Death Watch, or excuse me, Children of the Watch. Um, part of the reason they fracture is because they want to accept foundlings. They want to accept people outside that. I don't know. Although it's also referenced in season two of Mandalorian that Boba, that Jango Fett was he he was a foundling who fought in the you know the Mandalorian civil wars. So who knows? Again, yeah. I've never really cared about Mandalore, but this, all these series make me care just because I like history, <laughs> even if it's fake. History, right. Exactly. So. <laughs> uh, that, that's the thing. Mandalorian, you know, society and history has never been any sort of focus that I've had um, in star Wars. However, the fact that we keep returning back to Mandalore and getting a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more about the planet, the society, the different factions within it, all the clans and the sects. It's, it's getting me invested, Carl. And right. I don't know what to do about that. Yeah, well, you know? <laughs> I mean, it, it's smart storytelling, right? I mean, it's, it's world building. That's what they're doing is they're, yes. they're building out this world. And whether or not you're a big Mando cultural fan or not, like, I think it's just intriguing because of the way they're doing it. Um, I love the shot of, of, I don't remember the names of those ships that the Mandalorians fly, but it's clearly one of those ships flying over mm-hmm. the, you know, the ruins of Mandalore city. Um, yeah. Which is so cool. And I actually forget that we see that get blown up in the flashback from that book of Boba Fett episode when they show us yeah. the night of a thousand tears. Um, but all that to say <laughs> what we both have kind of posited Jason is that this season's really about him figuring out what it means to be a Mandalorian. Um, because yeah. and, and even so now doing a recap of the seasons from that angle, season one, we just learned that there there is a particular group of Mandalorians that are based on foundlings. And then season two, we learned that they're actually quite this this zealot, almost cult like presence. Um, and then season mm-hmm. three, you know, like you said, that voiceover from Bo-Katan, she holds them resp- in part responsible for the fracturing of of Mandalore. Um so yeah. I feel like that's going to be really interesting to explore. And then there's that shot of him, you know, walking among helmeted Mandalorians. Do you think those are other children of the watch like himself or, or no. not? Yeah, I don't think so either, because in that episode from Book of Boba Fett, the armorer says that it's just the three of them left now. Um, so yeah. that would seem to imply that he's clearly fighting with Mandalorians. But what kind? Right. Uh, it's got to be Bo-Katan's crew. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like he's he ends up joining in with them at some point in some fashion uh, to, you know, pre-Mandalore or whatever their goal is. And and that's going to be part of the, the crew that he ends up joining in with. Uh, so uh, that's my that's my suspicion here. Um, I will say, uh, some other quick clips in here that have me very interested. Um, it looks like the, uh, I forget his name, but the, the doctor who was doing the research on Grogu is back. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that that thread is getting picked back up. Um, and uh, Carl, Doctor Pershing. Sorry, is that Babu just, Frick? It's that, I don't think it's Babu Frick. It, yeah, I think it's just, yeah. Uh, I I can't remember the name of his species, but I don't think it is Bob. I don't think it's Babu Frick. I just think it's one of his species. I, it could be, but I feel like it's just. Uh, I'm trying to remember what those something with an A. I want to say Anzelin. Yeah, something like that. And yeah, so I mean, it, sure, yeah. it could be Babu Frick, but I think it's just another Anzelin or or whatever. Um. I mean, I don't see why it wouldn't be Babu Frick. I mean, this is clearly, you know, obviously this is, you know, 20 plus years before the rise of Skywalker. So, um, but I don't know. It, it could be like just could a be. random one, but yeah. it could. There's no reason why it couldn't be Babu Frick, but there's also no reason why it has to be Babu Frick. Right. Um, but it's funny just to see him back. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Uh, we obviously see Grief Karga, you know, done up real nice. He's looking very stately. Oh, he, <laughs> he's he's upgraded himself so much, and he looks so at home in those flowing robes, doesn't he? He, sh- he sure <laughs> does. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I will say. Yeah, I think though my favorite part of this trailer is the music. It's very good. And the uh, it's very good. And the, the new choir bit that we have in there that sort of pops in and out of it throughout the trailer and then, of course, ends the trailer out is stuck in my head. Um, I love it so much. And I'm desperately hoping that that is in the soundtrack for this season. And I, I assume it is because they, they tend to use music from The Mandalorian for The Mandalorian trailers. Um, at least that's been the the case so far um but i i want that i need that music in my <laughs> soundtrack collection so badly right it's, now yeah it's so. really, it's really cool and again it kind of kind of continuing that western trope feel to it um mm-hmm. to the style of that music yeah it's really good um I, last thing i want to say about the trailer is just just Bo-Katan's presence. Like, it's just cool seeing her on Mandalore. We get to see her sitting clearly on a throne, um, which mm-hmm. raises the question of what is she doing there? How, how have the Mandalorians accepted or not accepted her? Um, I think that, and, and then obviously when she says to Grogu, did you think your dad's the only Mandalorian? Um, that's the best line of this whole trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I, I feel like, yeah, I mean that's gonna. That to me is like what cuts to the heart of how I think she'll get Mando to join their cause. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, we will find out. Yeah, we will definitely find out. You know, sometime next year, but that can't come soon enough. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. But it does. It does look like we're gonna see the armor and Paz Vizsla again. Oh, definitely. Because it looks like yeah. there's a shot, yep, a shot of them in here. So, yep, I, it's gonna it's gonna be weird and interesting. We're gonna get some messy Mandalorian, uh, you know, intersect relationships. Um, <laughs> yes, we are. I don't yes, think I don't think the Armorer and Bo Katan are going to be happy to see each other. Uh, That'd be a cool fight to see. It would be. Yeah. It would be. Yeah, my money's on Bo-Katan. Sorry, Armorer. Um, right, you know, yeah. especially if if she ends up getting the dark saber, and we're going to just figure saber, you know, goes into all of this because if if Din shows up on Mandalore and just starts flashing that dark saber around, that is going to completely undercut Bo-Katan's authority. Right. Because that's a, that's the symbol of authority to the Mandalorians. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how she navigates him and that Darksaber. Yep. So you might insist that he not use it for a while. Right. Well, in the last we saw him use it, he was pretty shaky with it to begin with. Yeah. Um, so... Well, what do you say we, we dive over to the no, closest premiering show, Andor? Oh, man. I can't wait for this show, Carl. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I've kind of been like kind of whatever about the show ever since it's been announced. Like, uh, I, I'm not trying to yuck on anybody's yum. I was just like. You know, early releases, I'm like, I, I don't need more Rogue One world explored unless it's Guardians of the Wills, which it's clearly not. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, I was kind of whatever, like nothing I saw particularly excited me until the stuff that all dropped with the Disney Plus day. Like, I loved the, the the full scene clip we got and then this trailer as well. Like, I'm I'm pumped. I am. I'm I'm happy to say I'm finally pumped. <laughs> um, and. I think what really grabbed my attention and, and, and changed the trajectory for me was just the simplicity of Andor's connection to Luthen, the, the new character who's kind of the new mentor mm-hmm. figure, if you will. 
Um, but I mean, I love the way he says Cassie and Ander. <laughs> um, like it's yeah, it, it's not Andor, it's it's Ander. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he ultimately like it just it seems both in the trailer and even in the clip of them together. This is this is this story's Ben Kenobi. He's giving him the call to adventure. So I think the reason I'm particularly intrigued now is I mean, I love when Star Wars does hero's journey stuff. I mean, that's when Star Wars is Campbellian, it's my favorite Star Wars typically. Um so it just seems it seems like that's what we're gonna get. We're gonna get Cassian's call to adventure and he's gonna go on a hero's journey. So that's what particularly got me excited. Um, everything else beforehand seemed very macro. Like, and I think there is going to be a lot of macro story about the, pol- the the changing political system of you know republic to empire. Yes. That's certainly kind of the grand picture and how that process then creates vacuums for rebellion. Um, but my again, like this is always comes down to preference with anything in, in in art. But my favorite kind of Star Wars stories are the more microcosm stories, right? The more personal ones. And it seems like Cassian's own journey is going to be somewhat, uh, you know, in line with the macro story of as this rebellion grows, so too does this man's kind of dejected nature becoming one of a rebel, um, becoming somebody who, yeah. you know, similar to Ezra, I guess, in a way, you know, Ezra just, st- or even the ghost crew in season one of rebels, right? Like, yes, they do little odd jobs here and there to inconvenience the empire, but it's not really until they join up with Fulcrum and Ahsoka and that team where they join the the grand rebellion. So I love that mm-hmm. line in the trailer where, where Luthen um, and I got to shout out my friend, Ben, because Ben, I could, I didn't know the character's name. So I, you know, I sent him a text and I was like, what's this guy's name? He goes, oh, it's Luthen. He goes, I bet you at some point in the story, he's going to ni- nail 95 thesis to a, to the Senate wall. <laughs> Cause uh, like kind of, you know, kind of a, a riff on, on, on Martin Luther's name. Um, so I'm, well, there I'm, is a shot of him with longer hair talking to Mon Mothma. Yes. So. Yes, indeed. Um, so I, yeah, I'm excited to, you know, the, just th- that line of him saying, wouldn't you rather give everything to something with a greater purpose? Um, and then I think the other part of this trailer that has me intrigued then is, is what is this, what does this language of greater purpose mean? Right. Cause it seems like we're getting some different interpretations and that's probably why the rebellion in its early stages is kind of a hot mess. It seems that you have absolutely you're going to have, you know, Mon Mothma on the political side trying to figure out how to do this diplomatically. You have Luthen who's trying to organize and organize resistance. And then you've got Saw Gerrera who says, let's call it war. Right. Like so he's. Yeah. You've kind of got these extremes. And again, this is obviously speculation off of little clips, but it's almost like Luthen might be the middle way in a sense. Right. Like Mon's probably insistence of peaceful diplomatic solutions some people are gonna be like that ain't gonna do it and then you've got saw Guerrero who's just like let's just kill them all <laughs> like well that's also not probably the best way and maybe luthan is kind of this this gray middle ground of how do we explore this and then that's where cassian gets gets caught in because it seems yeah. like that's what he's going to resonate with. I don't know that he wants to go back to war like Saw because clearly with the flashbacks of Clone Wars, Cassian's a victim of war. Maybe he doesn't want to go right back and do an organized war, but I'm sure he's certainly not Camp Mon Mothma where it's like, no, we'll just be peaceful friends with the Empire. Well, I don't think that's what she's doing either, right? Like it's clear in one of the, the right. clips where she says like, people think they know what I'm doing, but they don't. <laughs> so, Right, um, exactly. Although I, I will say in the trailer, at least the clips that they put in the trailer, she does seem to be a bit hesitant yes. to to jump into any sort of organized resistance, you know, any sort of like actual organized resistance. And, you know, that's probably partly because of her current position, you know, it's going to attract a lot of attention and all that stuff. So uh, she definitely is trying to do things very on, you know, on the board, very diplomatically, trying to to save the system, if you will, um, and and obviously Saw is just like blow everything up and start over, um, and we'll see where Luthen comes down, but you know, it, and it does seem you know a lot of the other stuff that we've about the formation of the rebels uh 
in you know rebels and uh, some of the other material that we ha- that we have does show that the rebel alliance the, the the different pockets of the alliance were really kind of until mon mothma worked to form an alliance with all of them they were very very different in how they approached things uh the methods they used and that sort of thing um and so it looks like not only are we going to get andor's sort of hero's journey as he he steps into this world but we're also going to get i think uh mon mothma stepping out of the galactic senate and into the realm of where she can form this alliance with everyone uh to to get everyone on the same page because you're right it's a hot mess it's an absolute hot mess and everyone's just sort of like trying to survive it and i think that's the world that cassian is getting pulled into right now so yeah um jason should we make a quick pause to talk about mon mothma i think we should because (laughs) i'm she's honestly one of the characters i'm most excited about in this show yeah Uh, because the the story that they're telling with her and and you talked about how Andor's you know Cassian's story is is very the microcosm the stuff that you like. Well, one of the things I really like in Star Wars, which is part of why Attack of the Clones is such a big favorite for me, is the world building. Mm. And we're going to get a lot of that. Yeah, with Mon Mothma in terms of where the galaxy is at right. Now. Um, but yeah, she great. She's great. She looks it's, stunning in all did, of these shots. Yeah, I mean. Again, like just huge kudos. I mean, obviously, Genevieve O'Reilly was brought back for Rogue One to to reprise Mon Mothma's role. Um, again, and also like huge props for them in Kenobi. You know, bringing back Joel Edgerton and and um, Bonnie Pease to play Owen and Beru, uh, really mm-hmm. honoring the choices that George made. And unfortunately, George didn't give most of them much time to do much. Um, I mean, Mon Mothma's all of her scenes are cut from Revenge of the Sith. You're right. I mean, she's got some great moments in the deleted scenes, but she's not actually in the final cut of the movie at all, which sucks. Um, yeah. She's in the background of like when Palpatine arrives back on, uh, you know, oh, on the Coruscant the battle, yeah. after the, the big battle, she's yeah. in that, that group of senators. Um, but that's about it. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but boy, yeah. I mean, it's just, she looks stunning. I mean, the outfits they're putting her in. I mean, it's so akin to, you know, the the beauty of the the outfits that Padme wears. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Jason, you and I both have a little bit of a crush on the, the great Senator Mon Mothma. I just had to play some Jennifer Page, y'all. Uh, that good old bop <laughs> yeah, from 1998. Yeah, Carl's not wrong. Carl's <laughs> not wrong. We, we, uh, there's definitely a little bit of a crush going on here. She, you know, the scenes that they've shown of her, uh, you know, Genevieve O'Reilly is just crushing it. And as as you said, that all the costumes that they're putting her in are just absolutely fantastic and stunning. There's a, a shot from the the extended. Uh, look at at uh, Andor that's on Disney Plus right now. It's a ten minute behind the scenes uh, thing with most of a scene um, in there. If you if you haven't checked that out yet, definitely you should. Uh, but there is a shot that they have in there of Mon Mothma sitting in what I assume is her office, mm. just on this this opulent looking couch underneath a chandelier, all by herself as the the doors start closing and that is for whatever reason that shot has grabbed my attention um i'm very curious to see what that is but it's just artistically it's just so gorgeous too like there's so many shots in this show in in all of these shows that you could just take the frame of of the scene and just have that be art yeah you know (laughs) it's just beautiful Absolutely. And yeah, there she clearly has a relationship with Luthen um, because he comes to her. Like you said, like there's that scene where he's got the longer hair. He seems to be in a bit finery himself. Um, Mm -hmm. 
again, who knows if he's some sort of representative as part of this former Senate or not. That'll we'll find out. But when he obviously mm-hmm. is revealing to her what he's up to, because, you know, perhaps they start off working together, right? She's she's working kind of behind the scenes in the Senate. He's doing something, too. But as it becomes clear that he's militarizing a bit that that seems to, you know, cause in the voiceover in the trailer, like she says, like essentially what you're doing is going to put a lot of people in danger and at risk. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and then of course we go to saw who's like, it's war, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. So curious to see how that's going to play out as well. Um, this is obviously like a, just a huge speculation. I don't think Luthen survives the series or else. Why is he not in rogue one now? Granted, who knows, right? Like he doesn't need to be. Um, but I feel like Luthen won't make it. I maybe, maybe he'll make it in, make it out of the first season for sure. But, um, I think Tony Gilroy recently said in an interview that, uh, when season two wraps, cause they're only doing the two seasons, but when season two wraps, like the final <laughs> episode, I think is supposed to take place like five hours before rogue one starts or something. So it's going to bump right oh, up against cool. rogue one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, there's, there is a coldness to Cassian when we meet him in rogue one. Um, mm-hmm. and I will say there's the, there's a shot right at the beginning of the trailer where he's holding something that looks very akin to a DL 44, about to shoot someone in the face. Like, I mean, he's point blank executing somebody, which to me is just kind of a, an interesting parallel to the shot of him shooting the guy in the back. It is in his first scene in Rogue One, right? And it, there's a bit more of a, a coldness. I mean, he, he even says, you know, we're, we were once assassins. Um, and it just seems like maybe part of the reason Cassian has more of a bitter coldness in Rogue One is because my guess is Luthen becomes like a mentor figure to him and he loses him. Right. So that could just double him down on some of his coldness and harshness. Who knows? Again, these, these are just speculations, but yeah. Um, I, yeah. Who knows? I, I, I too don't think that Luthen will survive the series. Um, I'm skeptical to say he's going to survive the first season uh, just because that's the, uh, that is the Star Wars formula when it comes to mentors. Right. Um, the mentor gets you uh, in the door, gets you started and on your way, and then something terrible happens to them. You know, <laughs> Obi-Wan sacrifices himself on the Death Star. Qui-Gon gets killed by Darth Maul. You know, Han gets murdered by his own son. It, you know, <laughs> it's that's the Star Wars trope. Right. Um, and it's also very Campbellian, as you were mentioning earlier. So yeah. I, I'm I would be surprised if he survives the whole first season. Um, and from what I've been told um, by a good friend of the show, Kyle Avery, um, who's very you know in touch with like all the new stuff because that's what their podcast is about, uh, Star Wars Beyond the Films. Um, so he says their, that their show is called The Saga Continues. Just so you know. Sorry. Yes. The saga continues. Why did I say beyond the films? That's, that's part of the Star Wars Report mind. Network that we're part of. But yeah, that's not Kyle's show. Yes. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm mixing <laughs> no, my metaphors there. You're good. Uh, but yeah, but what, what Kyle has told me is that according to, I believe Henry Gilroy said this, is that uh, season one is going to be about, obviously the, the show starts five years before Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, the first season is going to be uh, basically taking place across the first year of that five-year period. Mm. Um, And then season two is going to have a couple of, you know, connected stories that jump from year two, three, four, and then I guess ending up right before Rogue One. So I I think that's what I've heard, but it looks like we're going to get a lot of like stuff kind of front loaded and then we're going to start spreading it out. There's going to be time jumps um, from is what it sounds like uh, throughout the series as we get closer to rogue one. Yeah. Um, Well, and I I mean, clearly they, they are going to be doing flashbacks in the show because if this is five years before rogue one, there wouldn't be clone troopers marching through the streets anywhere. So, I mean, and we've already, it's already been revealed that Cassian was on a separatist planet and fought clones as a young child. He was in the fight since he was six, Jason. Um, yes, since he was six years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So it, I think, it'll, again, like it's just going to be awesome to see live action clone troopers again. And um, yeah, and I, I feel like the way that'll play out is, you know, as he again, my guess is like as he's revealing his story to Luthan. I mean, well, Luthan knows who he is, right? We we that's revealed yeah. in the clip that we got. Luthan knows who he is, knows something about him, knows something about, I believe, his father, right? Um, mm-hmm. does, yeah, he mentions knows his what father, happened so, to his father. Yeah, which would imply that either his father's dead or is in an, an imperial internment camp or something. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get bits of flashback to to young Cassian, um, experiencing Absolutely. the Clone War. Um, and again, I just I'm I'm it's so cool that we're gonna get to experience again. I don't I I don't know the extent of these flashbacks, but it'll be neat to see. The Clone War from a Separatist POV. Because it's right, we've always seen it from the clones are the good guys. It'll be kind of neat to see what it's like to be a Separatist. Um, I mean, Clone Wars did a little bit of that. There are a few episodes, right, um, mm-hmm. in the Clone Wars series where we, we get to see that not every Separatist is evil. Um, so it'll be neat right. to see from Cassian's perspective that the, the villainous Republic is now the villainous Empire. It's all the same beast to him. Yeah, it it's going to be very interesting to, to see how that all plays out. I, I will say one thing that uh, I found very cool from the uh, the sneak peek that they gave us on Disney Plus, which is what they showed at the beginning of the Rogue One IMAX screaming, screenings a couple of weeks ago, um, is that at least in some cases, when they were filming the show, they had an orchestra on set and was playing some of the music while they were filming. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, Yeah. So cool. That was something that, that was something that Diego Luna said. He was like, it was really cool. And you're going to hear it in the show. And, you know, but it was there playing when I was on set and, you know, feeling the emotion of the music and, you know, as Diego Luna says, but, um, you know, I, I thought that was a really cool thing. It was really interesting to see how the music plays with the show, the the visuals itself, because it seems like they're tying them very closely already. Um, yes, if they're doing that during filming, so right, <laughs> right, yeah, and, and that's you, know, Jason. That, I'm just so glad you mentioned that because whenever we get new Star Wars, that means new Star Wars music as well. Um, yes, and I know I'm pretty sure Kevin Kiner is doing the music for Tales of the Jedi, so we're getting more Kevin Kiner Star Wars. We're obviously going to get more Ludwig Göransson doing Mandalorian, and I. I think they've announced who's doing the music. I just don't remember who it is um, for for Andor. But I'm just excited that we're going to get more Star Wars music. <laughs> so, because um, uh, anybody who's relatively not new to the show knows how much Jason and I both love Star Wars music. Um, Absolutely. Uh, the the composer for Andor, thank you, Google, is Nick Betrell. Okay, which is someone right, I'm yeah. not familiar. I'm not, with. Yeah, I looked him up and I didn't. I, I wasn't familiar with anything else. So, but that's cool. Like, I'm excited for somebody new and and, and a new flavor of Star Wars music. Um, yeah, and I, I mean yeah. the the final point I'll make about Andor is, you know, they've been very adamant to say that it's a story for our time, and I know that that's going to be controversial for some folks. Um, but it, it's a story about standing up against tyranny you know, at the end of the day. And I think that's, it's an important message forever. Like that's a, that's a universal message. You know, the, the prequels were ultimately a story of how a democracy becomes an empire. And now the story of Andor is how does an oppressed people rise up against their oppressor, which is a very relevant story that sadly is have, have has had to have been told too often in human history. So um. Yeah, so I'm look. I'm looking forward to 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 that aspect of the show as well. Yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be very interesting to see how it all plays out. And uh, one of the other things, the last thing I will say, it'll be very interesting to see how it all plays out, and very interesting to see how they're also going to work in all of these other new characters that they've been featuring in the trailer because there's a lot. Um, there's a lot of new faces. And it'll be interesting to see how the old faces interact with them uh, and and how each of them is going to be contributing to the story. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Well, I don't know, Jason. Any other uh, final thoughts on any of these trailers? Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm, I'm just ready to start seeing these, and thank goodness. Andor, uh, as of the release of this episode, is a week away, um, uh, and we're going to get some to actually see what some of these clips actually mean in context. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, awesome. Well. You know, uh, I ran a, a quick poll, I think, yesterday, Jason, just over on our Twitter, asking folks of these three shows which they're most excited about. And last I checked, uh, Mandalorian was the top spot, followed closely by Andor, and then way in the way at the bottom was Tales of the Jedi, um, which I think makes sense. Um, people are going to be more excited about yeah. a big, sprawling live-action show over a, a, a short mini-series of, car- you know, of a cartoon stuff. So, um I'm excited Which one about are you looking forward to the most. I, it's tough. Um, part of me says Tales of the Jedi just because, like, that's my favorite type of Star Wars stories is Tales of Jedi, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> but in all honesty, probably Mandalorian. Um, I've really loved Mandalorian. Um, I'm very pumped for Andor. Like, I, I, I'm really hoping I fall in love with it. Um, I mean, I, again, I'm super pumped now, uh, but I think at the end of the day where it shakes out for me right now, probably Mandalorian, but they're all, they're all, I'm excited for all of them in different ways, which is also exciting. Yes. But what about you? Which one would you, would you say you're most feeling? Ah, uh, man, I, I literally have watched each of these trailers about three or four times today, uh, getting ready for this. And like, like you said, I'm so excited for each of these in different ways. Um, I think at the moment, if I had to pick one, though, uh, I, I'd say Mandalorian Season 3 is going to edge out the other two just barely as in terms of what I'm most excited for. And to be perfectly honest, part of that's the music. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because it's still stuck in my head. I can still hear... That in the back of my head, just uh, going. So, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Awesome. Well, yeah, I think that I, I think we did good work covering three trailers in in one show. I think we did. We did some fantastic work, Carl. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but if people want to weigh in on some their thoughts on some of these trailers, uh, you know, tell us which one they're most excited to see. Where can people get in contact with us, Carl? Uh, well, we are over on Twitter at Wampas Lair. You can also find us on Instagram at The Wampas Lair, and you can always email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Uh, anything else you want to put out there before we close down this episode? No, I'm just excited for all three shows. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Me too. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 483, Andor, Jedi, and Mando. Oh, bye. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. <laughs>